Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show, Better Than Before on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, we have a terrific show today, but before we get started, I want to bring on, as always, the woman who is younger than springtime and even more welcome, as far as I'm concerned, and that is my producer, Lori Houston. Hi, Lori. How are you? <laughs> Jane, you are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> as are As are you. So we actually have an amazing show. After the mm-hmm. break, we're going to meet Dr. Pamela Kushner. She is a renowned family physician who specializes in preventative medicine with an emphasis on diabetes management. And she has partnered with AstraZeneca and Dr. Phil McGraw on their new On It movement, which is an awareness campaign that empowers adults living with type 2 diabetes to make a personal commitment to living a healthier <clears throat> life. And she will tell us more about it after the break. Well, speaking of Dr. Phil, It is an honor and a privilege to welcome to the show my next guest, who is none other than Dr. Phil himself. He is the host of the number one daytime talk show, Dr. Phil. He is also an accomplished author, having written eight New York Times bestsellers. If I mentioned in this intro every one of his accomplishments, it would take up the entire show and probably all the ones that will follow it for the next year. (laughs) So I'm just going to say, here he is, the one, the only, Dr. Phil McGraw. Welcome, Dr. Phil. Thanks so much for being with us. Well, what an introduction. How am I going to live up to that now? You're putting pressure on me. Now, to put pressure on you, that's not easy. You're the calmest person that I think (laughs) I know. (laughs) But if I may, Dr. Phil... Before we talk about the On It movement that is so close to your heart, not to mention your blood sugar, and you'll all see why in a moment, I'd like to mention a woman who has made a lasting impression on me, and I know for a fact that you are her biggest fan, and she is yours, and that is your beautiful wife of 39 years, Robin McGraw. And as we all know, she has a daily presence on your show from the start, and she continues to inspire women the world over to live their best lives. Speaking of speaking of a hard act to follow, Doctor Phil, <laughs> she is she is quite the amazing woman. So uh, I'll tell you what that, is, it, isn't she ahead. fun? Oh, she is so wonderful. And the only reason I'm mentioning this is when I I, I wrote a story on her right for her new um, uh, cosmetic her launch of her beauty line, uh, Robin McGraw Revelations, and um, uh, and which the Robin McGraw Revelation Foundation is dedicated to her beloved mother, Georgia, who is another amazing woman. But when the column came out, Dr. Phil, I got the nicest handwritten note, I think that I have ever gotten, thanking me profusely. And it was accompanied by a, a gorgeous picture frame. And I actually put the note in the frame. <laughs> I put it on my desk. <laughs> so I have it with me. And the reason, again, the reason I mention this, that often people ask me, what is such and such celebrity really like? Because they're meeting your persona could be very different than their personal one. And I can honestly say about the McGraws that you are gracious, you're generous, you're kind and loving, you're extremely devoted to your work, your children, your grandchildren, your causes, and most importantly, you care deeply about each other and others. You are the real McGraws. (laughs) So I had to say that. There we go. You're very kind to say that. And I I tell you, Robin is... uh... She's the she's the class part of this act. We've been married for 39 years now, and 
she is just uh, uh, so special. And when I told her I was going to be talking to you today, she just made me promise. She was just like, oh, she wanted me to tell you hello. And, and she so enjoyed uh, getting to know you and, and appreciated all of your support and wanted me to tell you hello. So hello oh, from well, Robin. Terrific. Terrific. Thank you. She's also in my new book, and I'm going to send her a copy this afternoon when, when, when we get Great. off here. Um, now on to the topic at hand, Dr. Phil. You know, we know a lot about you from your show, but the one thing that perhaps everyone does not know un- until recently is that you were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes 25 years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? No, I can. Um, You know, 25 years ago, and that was, you know, 14 years into my marriage to Robin. And, uh, you know, both of us were very health conscious and, you know, exercised a lot, took care of ourselves. Uh, but I was really having these really big swings in energy. You know how sometimes you just kind of hit a wall if you haven't had a lot of sleep or whatever. But I was having that on a real regular basis, just kind of bonking at different times, as the old term goes. And I, I went in and had a thorough workup, and they said, "We got I got some good news and some bad news. They said, you, you do have a disease, and it's type 2 diabetes. But the good news is, it's manageable. It's not curable, but it's manageable. And you're just going to have to do some things to change not just what you're doing, but how you're doing it, not just what you're eating, but how you're eating it. And um, so over the last 25 years, I've really kind of dove in and, and been managing this. And so what I've done in partnering with AstraZeneca is create this website, onitmovement.com. And I've taken the things that I've learned over the last 25 years from a patient perspective and translated those into kind of a six-part action plan for type 2 diabetics to use to kind of not... I'm hoping to save them the time that I had to spend in giving them the the steps to really get this disease under control. And, you know, Jane, this is um, such a a relevant topic because one in three people that are listening to you and I right now either have this disease or are at risk for this disease. And think about that, one in three people. We're talking about an epidemic here. So this is highly relevant to folks, and I'm, I'm hoping that, by raising this awareness and then giving people kind of the toolbox to manage it, uh, if they have it or are headed that away, uh, it can really have an impact on how much this disease affects their lives. It's frightening, the, the, the epidemic that it has become. And especially here in you know New York City, we're we're the over overwhelmed by people who have uh, you know diabetes, and that to me is very scary. And I also know, uh, Doctor Phil, from your show that you're you're a, you are a firm believer in making healthy choices in, in in every aspect of your life, and you suggest it for us as well, emotionally, physically, even spiritually. And if you have an illness or condition. It makes it all the more important to take even better care of yourself, as you just mentioned. And as I, I say in my book, that while genetics may load the gun, lifestyle does pull the trigger. 
and and you made a personal commitment, as you said, to get on a, a healthy lifestyle plan. And what you're saying is so important. And I, and I really hope that everyone really takes that uh, to heart. But you also mentioned that having a support system is so important, uh, especially when it comes to your health. Um, you know, we, we have to get our friends and our family together to support each other, encourage each other, because good health benefits everyone. Why is it so important uh, for diabetes patients to have this support system? Well, it, it's important for a couple of reasons. And, you know, when you when you say things like that, um, saying you have to have a support system, people can think like, oh, come on, people in real life don't do that. That reads like a pamphlet at the checkout stand at the pharmacy. <laughs> um, but that's really not true when it comes to this disorder because what I'm talking about is this. You're going to have to make some changes, and you're not. It's not like you're going to have to live like you're being punished the rest of your life. That's not true, but you are going to have to make some changes. And to the extent that you can build a team, then and the center of that team should be your physician, your healthcare professional, because they're going to have to uh, monitor some things for you and give you some information. <clears throat> um, but to the extent that you can educate yourself and then those that are in your life so they don't inadvertently sabotage you and they purposely support you, it can make changing your lifestyle so much easier. I'm from the South, and in the South, people love you with food. I mean, I'd go home to see my mother, and oh my gosh, she would bake three cakes and two pies. and. Uh, you know, here, sit down, eat something. You just look like you're wasting away. Yeah, I'm like two thirty-five, six foot four. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you look like you're wasting away. Um, and but if she understands that certain kinds of foods are really poison for me, then she's not going to push those things on me. And that can't be true if she's not part of my support system. If I haven't educated her, so. I um, when I say support system, I, I mean, you know, one of the steps I have is to build a team, and that really means getting those people in your life, your doctor, maybe a nutritionist, exercise trainer, something like that, uh, your spouse, family members, and really yourself. You got to be proactive in this and not be a passive patient. Building that team is really important to help you overcome some bad habits and replace them with better habits and make a plan that everybody knows what it is and they can support you. Mothers tend to have a little bit of a different way to look at it. They are very important that you eat <laughs> the fat content yeah, exactly. and sugar notwithstanding. So we have to kind of train them too, right? So, um, so Dr. Phil, in the, in the six rules to get on it that you say, what are some of the other rules that we should live by? Well, you know, I've, the first one, I really want to take a minute to talk about it, and sure. it's move forward. And I, I, I talk about that from the standpoint of changing your attitude and your belief systems because there are some psychological barriers associated with um, – type 2 diabetes because a lot of people have misconceptions about it and thinking that it's due to not taking care of yourself or overeating. But the truth is those things can irritate a situation, but you can be 
at ideal body weight and be a type 2 diabetic because there's a real big genetic component there. And if the, the biggest um, risk factor is family history. And for me, diabetes is on both sides of my family tree, all up and down, every branch of the tree. I mean, there were just all kinds of uh, problems with it, and I was clearly predisposed to it. And so I want people to not have shame associated with the disease and be able to tell people uh, the truth so they don't have those misperceptions. And then number two is is to get educated. And that's not just yourself. It's also all the people around you. Three is build that team that we talked about. Four mm-hmm. is overcome bad habits. And we don't break habits. What we do is replace one behavior with a new behavior. So you, you have to overcome bad habits. And even small changes add up across time to have big impacts on your health and your disease. It, you know, it's so cliche to say, take the stairs instead of the elevator at work, for example. Even if you add a 1,000 steps a day uh, to your life, that's 5,000 steps uh, during your work week. Uh, you know, throughout a year, that's a lot of steps, and that can really make a difference in what you're calling on your body to do. If you can, even if you don't stop desserts altogether, if you cut them in half, and so you've reduced your sugar intake, um, it can really make a difference. Maybe you've got the habit where you come home and you mean to go exercise, but you get on that couch and you just can't quite get off. So maybe you take your exercise clothes and gear with you to work and you stop on your way home so you don't get home and settle in. You just make these subtle changes that in the aggregate are significant. And that leads to a plan that everybody knows about. And then you've just got to understand you stick to it. This is not about willpower. It's about setting up your life, setting up your environment to support the pursuit of your goal. Willpower is fickle. It comes, it goes. You're all gung-ho, rah-rah when you're in the doctor's office. You get home, it kind of wanes. But if you set your life up to support it, to push you in that direction, then you'll stay with it. And this is a lifestyle. It becomes your new normal. And the better you get, the better you get at it, the less you have to even think about it. I think you're just going to have to stay with me every single day, Dr. Phil. I can't let you go. <laughs> That's it. You have to remind me of all of this. But, well, we all have to be reminded, and that's why we need that team around us. It, it is very, very true. And, and, and you know something, we, you know, obviously the Onnit, as we discussed, the Onnit movement has a very large uh, emotional component. And one of the things that I remember Robin telling me is, uh, and, and this also resonated with me, was there's a huge difference between expecting happiness to come to you because you deserve it and going out and getting the happiness you believe you deserve. And I think emotionally speaking, you know, we are all looking for happiness. In fact, whenever I ask my audience, what do you want most out of life? You know, it's, um, you'd think it's, you know, more bags or shoes from the women, but really it's to find happiness and to become more uh, fulfilled. So how do you, in your stressful, stressful world of of television and, and the media, how do you find those moments where you can be, to manage your stress and, and ultimately, you know, leads to being happier? You know, I, I, that's such a good question. And <clears throat> actually, <clears throat> excuse me, 
actually managing your managing your stress well is such a big part of uh, managing your type two diabetes. So it's even a relevant question to that. And I've learned a long time ago, it's not what happens in the world that we respond to. It's what we say to ourselves about what happens in the world that we respond to. It's, it's kind of like um, the old saying, there is no good news or bad news, only news. Um, you know, it's like they say, you, you pick up the paper and it says, you know, Democrat elected. Well, is that good news or bad news? Well, that's up to you to decide. Uh, you, you add uh, the meaning to it. And I have found that if I really keep a focus on what truly matters in my life, then I don't react to the noise quite so much. And what really matters, you know, I can I can get back money. I can get back a dented fender if I dent it. I can, you know, get back so many things that can go wrong in life. But, boy, when your health breaks, if, that's, that's really a difficult thing. So if, if, you can, if you can stay on top of your health, if you can stay on top of your family, if you can stay on top of the things that really matter, everything else kind of falls into its proper perspective. I've often said you're only as happy as your saddest child. Mm-hmm. And... I've said that because I've got two boys, and, you know, if my boys are happy, healthy, and thriving, you know, everything else just kind of seems like noise. Uh, so I, I, I just choose not to react to stuff so much. And I, I want everybody healthy, and I want everybody to be as happy as they can in the moment, and then the rest of it's noise. And I, I just tell myself that. I, I don't I don't sweat it. That's very, very, very good advice. You know, I remember Dr. Phil years and years ago, I interviewed Sophia Loren. She had just had a, a tremendous robbery in her house and she didn't seem upset. And I said, Sophia, why, why aren't you bothered by this? She goes, I've made it my business in life not to cry over anything that can't cry back over me. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, never, I'll never forget that line. So now, Dr. Yeah, Phil, really in, in our final uh, moments, uh, I would love it if you could leave our audience with some Dr. Phil words to live by. Now you gave so many before, but kind of wrap it up into just some mantras that we can take with us every day that of course I will put in, in the frame right next to my Robin letter <laughs> and that all over the well, house. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do that, but let me tell you this. Oh, by the way, you're, you're getting ready to talk to Dr. Pam Kushner. Yes. Um, let me tell you, you, you got a prize egg right there. She is top-notch guilt edge when it comes to, as a person, number one, but number two, top-notch on all this diabetes business. She has got the, she has got the answers on that, so I tell all your listeners to really look forward to that. And, you know, you, you really do have to um, uh, think so much about life, and, you know, people... Uh, it was funny that you were talking about stress and everything. And I, I, I think back to people are so conscious right now in this voyeuristic society we have. Aren't you amazed at this advent of YouTube and social media and all that, how much people are focused on 
putting themselves out there and worried about what everybody thinks. Isn't that different for this generation as opposed to what you and I grew up with? Yeah. It's just an amazing difference. And it always makes me harken back to something, uh, makes me harken back to something my dad said. He said, you wouldn't worry so much about what people thought of you if you knew how seldom they did. (laughs) I love that one. And, uh, you know, I, as somebody that uh, lives in the public eye every day, I really keep that in mind. And, and in this day and time where everybody seems to have so much privacy taken away, I, I tell my boys, I tell uh, Robin, you know, guys, just don't worry about that. You wouldn't worry so much about what people thought of you if you knew how seldom they did. It's all about us. It's it's all about our family. Let's just focus on that and don't worry about it. The important, the important things. And and and, Doctor. Speaking of your public persona, um, I know you have a new season coming up for your show. Are there any um, segments you're excited <clears throat> about? You know, we reinvent ourselves. Um, uh, every year when uh, we get going, and we're in season 14 right now, and we're focused an awful lot this year. We've spent a lot of time focusing on trying to raise awareness on domestic violence and the impact that it has on uh, the the women that are directly impacted by it, but also on the children that grow up in those chaotic environments. And so we're really spending some time trying to raise awareness on that. And, you know, Robin's foundation when Georgia smiled is, uh, <clears throat> really, uh, doing some great work on that, uh, around the country with the shelters that she supports and the, uh, aspire initiative that she's put out for women to, uh, to learn about and, and the, uh, app that she's created to help them when they get into difficult situations. So we're really focused on that, a lot this year, and I, th- I think it's really worthwhile and good work. So we've spent a lot of time on that this season. I, I did write about that when I wrote about Robin. Very, very important. Her philanthropic work is, is amazing. Uh, Dr. Phil, um, tell us one more time where we could find information for the On It movement. Uh, it is onitmovement.com, and um, it's something I've done in partnering with uh, AstraZeneca and They've just done a great job in putting this website together. There's video there from me explaining a lot of these things and uh, action steps and lists. And uh, I think it's a great resource center. And I think people that are dealing with a disease will find the dots real close together on suggestions of what they can do to manage it better. So I really hope people will go there. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk about it. And thank you so much, Dr. Phil. It was really a treat to have you with us. Everyone stay with us. When we come back, we'll be talking to Dr. Kushner, as Dr. Phil had mentioned before, and she will talk about the lifestyle changes that she recommends for type 2 diabetes. This is Jane Wilkins-Michael. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins-Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. Don't go away. We'll be right back. As listeners of our iHeartRadio Talk Show know, Jane Wilkins-Michael is one of the foremost experts on all things health, beauty, and fitness. Jane has just released her highly anticipated new book, Long Live You, a step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before. In it, she shares a collection of advice, tips, and personal antidotes, along with lifestyle suggestions from some of the world's top beauty, health, and fitness experts, many of whom have been interviewed on this show. Are you hoping to make positive health decisions? 
improve your emotional well-being, establish a support system, give something back to your community and the world? Jane's new book will help you look years younger and also live a longer, healthier, happier, and more beautiful life. You can order Long Live You, your step-by-step plan to look and feel better than before at your local bookstore or at Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com, where it's available for delivery or as an ebook. Or go to Jane's website, janewilkinsmichael.com. Now, back to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins Michael's show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune in to Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins Michael and better than before. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. We're on the air live. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you from New York City. I'm here with Lori as always. And now I'd like to welcome to the show Dr. Pamela Kushner. She is a renowned family physician who has been in private practice for more than 20 years, specializing in preventative medical care with an emphasis on diabetes management. She's also a clinical professor of family medicine at the University of California, Irvine Medical Center. And since addressing the mental hurdles is an important component of a holistic diabetes management plan, she has partners with AstraZeneca and Dr. Phil McGraw on their On It movement, which she will tell us more about in a moment. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kushner. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks so much for inviting me, Jane. Oh, it is our pleasure. So if we may, um, let's start by talking about diabetes in general. I know it to be a defect of the body's ability to convert glucose, sugar, to energy. But what do I know? Let's hear it from you. <laughs> I think you did a perfect job. It's so, <laughs> so basically, we're in a worldwide epidemic of type 2 diabetes. And we're not exactly sure why. But what type 2 diabetes is, it's exactly what you said, Jane. It's where the body can't use sugar effectively. The insulin no longer works as well to get the sugar into the cells so that the brain sends messages, I am hungry. In fact, one of the major symptoms you see with type 2 diabetes is an intense hunger, an intense thirst. Maybe a person is hungry after they finish eating, and it could be associated with fatigue and frequent urination. And one out of three people who are listening to this program is at high risk of getting it. And I'll talk a little bit about the risk factors if you're interested. Absolutely. And I, and I know for a fact that it is a, it's an epidemic, especially here. Well, I don't know, especially, but in New York City, um, they're saying that there are maybe one in, in 10 out of city adults um, have the disease, which is about twice more, uh, twice the percentage of about two, two decades ago. And there's an even larger percentage of people walking around with it. They don't even know they have it. So that's scary to me. It is scary, and it should be scary for everyone that a lot of times it's diagnosed. By the time you get type 2 diabetes diagnosed, often there could be a 10-year delay. So it's really important for people to partner with their healthcare professional so that if they're at risk particularly, and I, I, from what you're saying, we all know we're at risk. So if we're at risk and we partner with a healthcare professional, perhaps we could make that diagnosis sooner. So some of the risk factors that are associated with it are, most importantly, is a positive family history of type 2 diabetes. This is a hereditary disease. 
Also, being over the age of 45, I know you have a lot of women in your audience. If a woman has had a pregnancy diabetes, then if they have diabetes during pregnancy, that increases their risk of getting type 2 diabetes fivefold. If they are overweight or obese and they have high blood pressure or smoke or have a high cholesterol, those also increase the risk. And unfortunately, a common question people have is, why is there this worldwide epidemic? And I do not have an answer for that. Many people think there is an environmental issue involved in that. Yeah. Now, doctor, can you explain for for a moment? I have a friend who claims she stopped telling people she she had diabetes because she was tired of always feeling obliged to say either, yes, I have diabetes or yes, I can eat that or no, I didn't get it because I ate too much sugar. But there is a difference between type 1 and type 2. Is there not? Can you explain a little bit about the difference between each of them? Yeah, let me explain a little bit about it. And then I want to get back to the issue with your friend because I think it's an interesting issue that is part of the campaign that I'm working with. And that is the psychological barrier that is associated with type 2 diabetes. So type 1 diabetes is going to be diagnosed earlier because what happens is the person basically has a disease which fights against their production of insulin from a very early stage. They run out of insulin, and if it isn't for insulin, they're not going to live. Insulin saves the type 1 diabetic's life. Type 2 diabetes is different because they have some insulin, but it's not working effectively. The beta cells that make the insulin are 50% of them are usually dead by the time type 2 diabetes is diagnosed. And so what happens is in the beginning, those beta cells work really, really hard and you're in an overproduction of insulin state. But then they get puckered out and the person runs out of effective insulin and that's where often medication is involved. But lifestyle changes can make a very important impact with type 2 diabetes, more than most other conditions. And that's really important for people to be, feel empowered about. Now, getting back to your friend, there's a reason why a lot of people with type 2 diabetes do not want to tell other people. And that's because there is a social stigma surrounding this disease. Oh, you mm-hmm. poor thing. And gosh, you really shouldn't be eating that donut, should you? Or what did you do that happened to yourself? Look at you. You just didn't exercise and eat well enough. But as I mentioned earlier, there are sometimes hereditary factors, and there are thin people who get type 2 diabetes, and it's not caught early enough. So there are other factors involved. And part of what this program is about is that onitmovement.com, which get on it is what the hint is, mm-hmm. is for people become more educated so that they can be have an active role in their own health care so that they can become empowered. I have patients who say, I don't need diabetic education, but we all need diabetic education because this is a chronic disease. And if we can get a handle of what the best food choices is for your particular condition, what the best time to exercise for your condition, how much sleep do you really need? It can be different for each person because this is a unique condition in each person. You know, you, you, you mentioned food, and, and it, it's, that is something I, I did want to talk to you about. Here um, Good. In, 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 in New York City, um, uh, as, as we just spoke about, instead of the big apple, some people call it the big fat apple, <laughs> just, just so you know. Um, and, and our collective weight gain has, has, has 
they're saying that it has sparked some of this uh, epidemic. And, and it's, um, you know, and, the, and our mayor, Bloomberg, former mayor, had suggested banishing those huge sugary drinks, right? And But there was such a public outcry that just hours before the bill was to kick in, a state judge killed it. And now, uh, just this morning... I read that a city councilwoman introduced a bill that would require restaurants to post warnings about the risk of excessive sugar and other carbohydrate intakes for diabetic and pre-diabetic individuals. I mean, good luck with getting that passed. So how important is what we eat to either prevent or manage diabetes? Well, it may, it's very important in both. It has a critical role of the food you put into your diet. So let me give, start from the beginning is that I want people to be mindful about the choice, the food choices they make. And many people think, well, you're diabetic. You can't ever have chocolate. Sure, you can have chocolate, but you want to choose chocolate that has over a 70% cacao value when you're choosing chocolate. Oh, you're diabetic. You can never have sugar. Well, that would be, you'd probably never eat if you never had sugar. I, the key that you mentioned, Jane, is added sugar. If we can teach people to look at a label, never ha- eat or drink anything that has more than 10% of its calories from sugar. In fact, the World Health Organization and the USDA came out with recommendations that we should have less than 10% of our calories of being added sugar. So what does that mean? That means you can have fruit. That's a gift. That's a wonderful thing to have. You can have two cups of fruit a day. You can have lots of vegetables. A plant-based diet is wonderful. There's no reason for anyone to be going hungry unless it's a financial issue because you could make good food choices. And the other point is that added sugar that you mentioned, soda, sugary drinks, sweet tea, they should be tremendously limited as a part of your diet. And add to that the um, sweets that you can have. Try to choose sweets that have less than 10% of added sugar to them. There's lots of them available to you. And snacks. Looking at the sugar content in everything we consume. And what your people will realize is that very quickly you start to feel better. A lot of people who have type 2 diabetes may eat a high sugar meal and they need a nap afterwards. The worst possible thing you could do is lay down when you're feeling tired after you eat. Then they have to try to motivate themselves to get on target and take a little walk afterwards. And small steps can make a tremendous difference in the the health benefit. It doesn't take a lot. It takes small steps, and they add up, Jane. That's what I I do say. I have a new book called Long Live You, and it's all about taking those small lifestyle steps because what we tend to do is just look at everything, do everything at once. You know, you try to change everything that's wrong with your life in like 10 minutes. It doesn't work. (laughs) And then you get so overwhelmed, you shut down, and you don't do anything else. And that's what we we definitely try to avoid. Um, And now how about carbohydrates? They do change also turn to sugar, no? Like empty carbohydrates. Well, you see, that's the point, Empty carbohydrates, it's not just about white flour, although that's a, that's a point. It's just that white flour was very, is very processed. And so the hint behind white flour is that the more highly processed that food is, the less good it is for you. So we want to have whole grains in our diet. That's a very important part of getting vitamins in, if possible. 
but trying to avoid highly processed foods and a plant-based diet is is a very valuable point. And one of the things that I like about the auditmovement.com campaign that Dr. Phil points out is he does not, this is a very motivated man, but he does not believe in willpower. What he believes in is he believes in making a plan and sticking to it. So let's say you skip breakfast because you're a mother, you got two jobs, you're running back and forth, and you your kids walk out the house with breakfast, but you don't. And you go to a busy meeting, you've had two cups of coffee, you walk in and there's donuts on the table. Well, your body sees itself as wanting that donut. So you better have planned ahead if you have type 2 diabetes, or even if you're at risk for type 2 diabetes, you need to have the knowledge, what do I need to have so that when I look that donut in the face and it's looking back at me, I have already planned for that. I'm full. I've had a high-protein, low-carb yogurt, perhaps. I've had a breakfast so that I'm taking care of myself. I've had some sleep. Education is key. And partnering with a healthcare professional so that you can really make that best plan is very important because a lot of the social uh, and psychological barriers surrounding this disease has to do with loneliness. It's a very lonely place to be if you feel you're the only one who has the answers. So it's important to educate members of your team, educate yourself, so that you're the captain of the team, so that your healthcare professional knows where you're coming from, knows that you understand, knows where to point you so that you can get more and more education. This is a disease that really can, this is a condition that your personal involvement can have a tremendous effect. And, and you know, doctor, there's, there's a point that I'd like to bring up. I'd feel remiss if I, if I don't, and that is talking about the obesity epidemic with, with in regards to children. And they're saying that this is the first generation whose parents might actually outlive them um, because uh, the type 2 diabetes is so prevalent among them as well. It's important I feel, and, and, and I'd love to hear it from you, to start your children on a healthy path when they're young and they do build those good habits before something Jean, like this happens. Jane, you are making such an important point. I hope you have a lot of listeners because if we can start early on having a vegetables and fruit, natural foods, nuts being a part of children's diet this is going to create a positive reflection towards those foods so that they say, wow, I didn't get my vegetables in today. I need to. That's a part of a healthy life. And I want to have a healthy life. If we can exercise our children, watch every move we make. If our children say, if we come home from school, they come home from school, we go, we're going to take a walk, not just for you, but for mommy too, because that'll be a chance for me to unwind. My children, who are now adults, really say they had they enjoyed very much coming home and having that time to unwind and take a walk together. That is such an important point. Exercising together, getting outside, involving the family, all important points and can make for quality time. And they're watching what you eat. They watch what you eat and doesn't mean you can never have sweets. You can never have dessert. I try to teach my families that it's a yin yang. You can have some of those things, depending on your relationship with your healthcare professional, what they say you can have. It doesn't mean you have a restricted life. It means you have a healthier life, that you make choices, you're mindful about what goes in your mouth, you're mindful about whether you take the steers, 
you're mindful about the decisions you make, you're mindful about what you put on the table, and those choices can lead to a healthier life. And teaching your children, this is the biggest gift we can give them, isn't it? It is. It is indeed. It is indeed, and I I think it's just so important. And what I also love about what you do, doctor, is that you do focus on holistic preventative medicine because it's it's not all about um, illness, but I'm trying to find ways to prevent that from happening to begin with. And I wish every single doctor in the world would just like you. <laughs> I really do. And, and that is why the on it movement is, is also so very important because it focuses on the, on the mental, the emotional aspect, the mind mindfulness aspect, which is so important. And, and I know you have to run soon, but I'd like you just to, to talk just for a, a, a moment on, on stress. We all have it. And and that Good. probably is worse for us than eating a double bacon cheeseburger. And, you know, I don't want my husband to get any ideas, of course. But, you know, how do we deal with that, especially if we have a chronic illness? You know, Jane, though, there's a lot of good points on the onitmovement.com website that I think that Dr. Phil takes to help manage stress. But some simple tips that you can say is you really need to think about yourself, particularly women who manage so many different parts of their life, and they're the captains of their, of their families, in addition to being the captain of the team of their type 2 diabetes. And so making sure that you have enough time for sleep, and I happen to be a big fan of yoga. I like the idea that it does teach the mindfulness, the ability to stop. That's why I say go outside, take a, a cell phone-free moment just to be able to concentrate on the now and on what's important in your life so that we can see that beacon and know that we're heading in the right direction. But remember, if you don't take care of you, you can't take care of anyone else. It's that bottom rule, and that's the message I want to leave, is take care of you. It's a good starting point might be this website. Thank you so much, Jane, for your wonderful Oh, thank question. you. Thank you so much. I tell people, take care of yourself because you are the only self that you have. Thank you so much for being with us, doctor. Thank you um, so much. Everyone, that's, that's our show. Thank you so much again, doctor. Thank you, Lori. And thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins-Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.